Jared and the GM live today, Bridgestone Arena. We're at Pete and Terry's Tavern outside of the Sobro entrance. Preds and Ducks tonight right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Boy, are we loaded today, Floyd Reese. We got tons of stuff to get into. Tons all over the board. We got to get on college, which we didn't touch on a lot yesterday. We got to get on the NFL. We got to get on the Titans. We got to get on the Predator. We just got it. We got it all today. So I don't want to waste any time. I want to get right to it. And that is Ryan Tannehill. I mean, that is, I was talking to people yesterday about Ryan Tannehill. I did a radio interview in a different city about Ryan Tannehill. And I was thinking about something when I was on my way home yesterday. And I was thinking two things. Number one, And I'm watching the Monday night football game, and I'm watching Adam Gase. And I'm like, you know, I don't think this Adam Gase is very smart. I don't think he's a very good coach. You know, what are his credentials? He was offensive coordinator with Peyton Manning. I feel like I could be offensive coordinator with Peyton Manning, and we'd be pretty good. Gase was offensive coordinator with Peyton Manning. And then after Peyton Manning, he goes to the Bears, and he had one year at the Bears where they weren't even very good. And then Gase is head coach in Miami, and now he's got Ryan Tannehill. And we saw Gase last night trying to coach up Sam Darnold, and he was seeing ghosts. So I'm thinking, you know, Gase isn't really all that smart. Miami's defense has never been really all that good. Maybe Ryan Tannehill can be a franchise quarterback. You know, it wasn't like he went to Miami and just bombed out and stunk like Joey Harrington or Akili Smith or, or one of these guys. Maybe he, maybe he, with a smarter team around him, a better team around him, can be a franchise quarterback. Maybe he can be. Maybe it can be like Kerry Collins. Didn't work out in Carolina. Kerry goes to the Giants. He's their quarterback for 10 years or however long he was before he came here. Maybe so. And then there's a part of me, Floyd, that said, now, Jared, you're smarter than this. That's one game against the Chargers. Don't get too excited. The Chargers pass defense, one of the worst in the league. So don't get too excited. No safeties. Backup defensive linemen. Don't get too excited about Ryan Tannehill after one game. Where are we on Ryan Tannehill? Does he look like somebody who perhaps maybe could be a franchise quarterback who didn't work in Miami and it could work? Or do we need to caution ourselves after one football game against a bum Charger team? Well, <laughs> you need to ask yourself that. You're the one that flies off the handle. I know. I mean, I always am cautionary. One game means nothing. And, and that's true. I don't care if you're a quarterback or if you're a guard or if you're a corner. I mean, one game means nothing. Show it to me over time. Let me see you do it time and time again and and if you can do that then i'll believe and i'll hope you know but until then let's just wait and see i mean he's been he was at miami for a long time got his second contract got his hundred million dollars or whatever whatever the contract was uh and then is no longer there so somebody along the line decided that he couldn't do it now i'm not sure that the makeup of the teams he was there with is as good as this team could be. And so, you know, is that a factor? Yeah, maybe it is a factor. But the truth is, all of those things right now are just big question marks. You know, we're just, we're hoping, uh, you know, if you were out there every single day watching him practice, you know, knew what he was like, everything about him, you might be looking at it and saying, oh, no, hey, he's got a chance now, don't worry. Or... 
You know, that's that's about as good he's as he's going to play. Um, but we don't know that, you know, because we've been exposed for four quarters. I was just watching Gase last night, and I'm thinking to myself, can this guy coach? Like, I'm not now the Jets are a bad team, and they don't even have a general manager. Well, I, do, I guess they do now. They got the guy from the Eagles. But the Jets don't have a, a, a good organization. But can Gase coach? Like, I, and I don't know the answer to that, and that takes me to Tannehill, where it's like we look at Tannehill – and everybody was like, well, you know, it didn't work out in Miami. It wasn't like they were 0-16 every year that Tannehill was the quarterback. And again, going back to Gase, can this guy coach? And the, and the Jets have turned into one of those places that you're scared to death of being, which is everybody they bring in there gets worse. Everybody, you look at them, they were talking last night about the defensive line and about how these high, high draft choices and – you know, I, when he came out, he was the best D lineman in the league, or he was the best whatever he was uh, in college ball. And now, where is he? Well, you know, he's got a sack and a half, and he's—I mean, they just people don't go there. Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon, a lot of people. I mean, I'm—I would have been one maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, whenever it was. Would argue he's the best back in football. He and Gurley at the time, I would have said those guys are the best backs in football. They can run it. They can catch it. They can block it. They can do. You saw him last night, you know, very, very average. So, uh, you know, I, I, the Jets, I don't think you can get too excited or you can't, you can't, you can't um, come to many conclusions, good or bad, about there. You just kind of let that place go. And if you've been to the Jets, okay, let's move on. But even on Gase? The coach? Every, I think everybody. You know, I'm not sure any of those guys. That that environment, that, you know, you talk about cultures and you talk about, okay, they're going to go through another, you know, Gase is going to be fired in a year or whatever it's going to be, and and they'll bring in another coach and they keep changing around, but nothing changes. Well, I'm just saying that, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to fairly evaluate whether or not Ryan Tannehill can be the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans beyond this year or be their franchise quarterback or be something like that. I mean, again, I'm not looking for him to come in here and be Peyton Manning. I'm looking for him to be Tommy Maddox. I'm looking for him to be Jake DeLome, who just got inducted into the Panthers Hall of Fame. I'm looking at him to be one of those guys. We've seen a handful of those guys over time where for one reason or another, it didn't work out in their first stop, and then they go somewhere else in their second stop, and they carve out a nice little career for themselves playing for a while as a starting quarterback and a playoff quarterback. And, I mean, I, I know that it just popped into my head. I was talking about um, – oh, who was I just talking about? It was Tommy Maddox and then the, the other guy after that. Like, these things do happen. And I just wonder if, if we can look and say, you know what? The, what I saw out of Tannehill, I loved everything about Tannehill's game on Sunday. You know, he – he delivered the football with confidence. He was throwing BBs. He was throwing guys open. He was going through his progressions. He was doing all of the things that you need a quarterback to do to be successful in the NFL. And so if he can do that for this team, and he can do that every game, then you don't even need to use your number one pick on a quarterback this year. Imagine what if we walk out of this year, and let's say the Titans go 9-7, and seven, which means... Of the 10 games Tannehill plays, they finish 7-2 and two or whatever, 7-3 and three or whatever it is. 
in the in the games that Tannehill plays. They signed Tannehill to an extension. Now you don't have to use your number one choice on a quarterback. Now you don't have to trade your number two choice with your number one choice to move up to get the quarterback you want. And then you maybe draft a guy in the second round, third round, maybe draft a guy in the first round, move back and take a guy in the first round that can sit on the bench under Tannehill. Like, to me, it opens everything up if Tannehill can be the, the starting quarterback of the Titans more than just this season and into next season and so on and so forth. And so it just gets me – it's like now I'm looking for reasons to make Tannehill the franchise quarterback after one game. <laughs> and then there's the other side of me that says Ryan Tannehill took this job for a reason because he could not get a starting job in the NFL. He right. could not be I, a starting quarterback anymore. Took, I, I, in my opinion, he took this job because he knew at a point in time he was going to get a shot. That's what his agent said. He knew either Marcus was going to get hurt or Marcus was going to get benched or something was going to happen, and he was going to get a shot. Now, did he think he was going to get a a 10-game shot or 11-game shot, whatever it is? No, he probably didn't. But now that he's got it, it's going to be up to him to take it full advantage of it. Well, I I, I use Teddy Bridgewater as the example. Teddy's been the starter for, what, five games now? The Saints won five in a row, and he's done it throwing the ball. He's done it running the ball. They've, they've done it every which way, oh, right? defense has been outstanding. But Teddy has played good football no, for the Saints. Teddy. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year. And he's going to make 20-plus million. I think Teddy, Teddy, after watching him at, at New Orleans, after and I have not seen every game, Teddy needs to be with a pretty good team. Teddy, Teddy is not going to be the guy that goes to a, you know, 0-16 franchise and, and – Brings it out of the woods. Don't you think Tannehill's the same way? Yeah. I think a lot of quarterbacks are the same way. But Teddy needs to go someplace that's already where he just kind of fits in. And he just kind of, you know, do get your 25 out of 30 for two touchdowns and 250 yards, and we're good. And I think he can do that all day long for what I've seen. But I, I don't know that I can, I can see him making a bunch of young or average players better. Well, he's not going to be Peyton going to the Broncos and just turning that thing right into a Super Bowl contender overnight. But I I like to think that the Titans could build a good team around Ryan Tannehill or Teddy Bridgewater or somebody like that and not have to use the first-round draft choice on a quarterback and not have to focus the future on the quarterback. And that's why... I think now if you're a Titan fan, you've got to hold out hope that Tannehill can lock on to this job and he can be your quarterback next season. So let's take your calls on it. 615-737-1025. 615-737-1025. Did Tannehill show enough? Did you see enough out of Tannehill on Sunday to make you think Tannehill could be the starter of the Titans next season or the starter down the road? Plus what Chris Sims had to say about Tannehill. And maybe this would be best for the Titans if it plays out this way. We'll get into all of that coming up. Jared and the GM, we are live from Pete and Terry's Tavern next to the Sobro entrance right here at Bridgestone Arena. We're going to be giving away Nashville SC playoff tickets later today. So listen for your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Nashville SC at First Tennessee Park for their first round of the USL playoffs this Saturday. Tickets. Uh, are now available for purchase at NashvilleSC.com. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025, the game.
Tannehill is, um, for whatever reason, and I was like this too, viewed as like, eh, eh, he's not that great, he's not that good. But when you break it down, you really start to realize he's done a lot better job than I think we've all given him credit for throughout his career. And I always went back to you know the Marcus Mariota thing. He's an athlete who plays quarterback instead of a quarterback who's an athlete. And Ryan Tannehill, he struggled with that a little too, but I think right now he is a quarterback who's an athlete. And yesterday, even though you know it wasn't always pretty, and this Titans offense is not like you know the greatest show on turf or anything like that. But the thing I saw that was different between Tannehill and Marcus Mariota was the willingness to throw the ball into tight windows, into tight coverage, and put the ball on the money where Marcus Mariota might have been reluctant to, and then maybe he looks to scramble, or he just sits in the pocket too long waiting for somebody to come open, and then he gets sacked or has to throw the ball away. Tannehill just went, ooh, it's not open by a lot, but he's open. I'm going to throw it in there and make a good throw, and he did that, and it helped their offense that was Chris Sims talking about what he thought Tannehill was doing on Sunday. Floyd, do you agree with Chris Sims that it looked like an a quarterback playing as an athlete and not an athlete playing quarterback, which is what he said about Mariota a lot? Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not sure I understand what that means, but I do agree with the rest of it. I mean, I think he's right. I think, I think Tannehill, and we talked about it yesterday for a minute, you know, Tannehill threw some balls in there that that you have to be – you have to understand the league to throw those balls. I mean, you have to understand the league and you have to have an arm. You know, you got to be able to have the skill set to do it. But I think he's shown, you know, he, he, you saw that Sunday. And so I think right now you're thinking to yourself, hey, if you can stay that accurate with the ball and we can start throwing those kinds of passes that we have been – we have struggled to find, mm-hmm. let's say, for a while. Um, you know, I mean, I think you're only going to see this this offense and group of receivers excel. My hope, and this was raised by watching the Monday night football game last night, is that in Ryan Tannehill's career, Miami was as much of the problem as Tannehill was the problem, and that you can put a better team around Ryan Tannehill, and that can make him a big-time winning quarterback. I use Jake DeLome. In Carolina is the example, right? Like, DeLome was a, a journeyman when he got to Carolina, right? Yeah. I mean, a total journeyman gets to Carolina where John Fox has assembled a nasty defense with Julius Peppers. And then he's got Steve Smith Sr. and Moose and Muhammad on the outside. And Jake DeLome turns into a Super Bowl, Pro Bowl quarterback and is now in the Panthers Hall of Fame. I think that's what Ryan Tannehill can become if the team around him is good enough. Now, again, it's one game against a bum Charger team. But I'm thinking maybe Tannehill, with this team, can win a lot of games and can be the quarterback next year. And then all the things you feel good about this team will be even better because they'll have a first-round pick that they won't have to use at quarterback. Well, if at the end of the year you can, in fact, say, okay, this is going to be our guy, I mean, now you have to sign him. You know, or you franchise him. That's why I wonder um, if you um, take the risk now. Like you talked about, if you're John Robinson and Mike Vrabel and you know what kind of guy he is and you've been around him and you see how he works and you believe in him, can you go to Tannehill right now and say, we'll give you a three-year deal, $21 million a season? Well, yeah, but why would you take that? Why would Tannehill take that? Yeah. Because it's $63 million. No, 21 a season? Yeah. No, I mean, if you know what? If he plays like this for 10 games... He'll get a he, Foles contract. Yeah, he may get 30. 
I mean, it, it, so I, I don't. Um, I think I think know, Foles got think, eighty over four, so sixty over three. That's not. I think in his mind, he's saying to himself, you know, he's a competitor. I I, I really sense that. I believe that. He's saying, hey, I'm an NFL quarterback. I know I'm an NFL quarterback. And I need to prove it. And this is going to be my chance to go prove it. And if I prove it, and if I am an NFL quarterback, then that $25, $28 million a year, that's what I'm looking at. And so, I mean, and, and it's a gamble. He's gambling on himself. But I don't sense him as the kind of guy that's going to shy away from that. Could be completely wrong because I certainly don't know the guy. But I'm just get you know listen to him talk and and watch what he does. I mean, I think he's a pretty confident guy. I just get caught up in the fact that, I mean, if you offer Tannehill sixty million dollars right now, there's no way he can say no to that. Well, how can you offer him sixty off of one game? No, I'm saying you said if you're around him every day, you probably have a pretty good idea. Oh, are you? Might, I, I don't but, know. I've learned my lesson about getting excited about Titan quarterbacks after one. I mean, Marcus yeah, Mariota had the greatest debut of any rookie in the history of the NFL. This and is how's that one working? One game. So we need to, you know, if if things like this are going to happen, they'll happen in games. You know, seven games from now. Like when Delome got his shot and took him to the Super Bowl. I, I just wonder, can Tannehill be the, the Kerry Collins of the not, – not Titans Kerry Collins, but Giants Kerry Collins. Can he be Jake DeLome in Carolina? Can he be Tommy Maddox in Pittsburgh? Can he be one of these guys who takes over the starting job and does really well with it until eventually you move on? Let's go to your phone, 615-737-1025. And you, by the way, kind of didn't really answer my question, which just watching the, the Jets game last night, yeah, gay sucks. Like, I never liked Gase in Miami, and I do not like Adam Gase. So if I'm evaluating Ryan Tannehill and how he performed, let's take with a grain of salt that he had Adam Gase as his coach. Because I am not convinced Gase is a good coach. Well, yeah, but people were saying the same thing about Malarkey. When he got out of Buffalo and got out, I mean, people were saying he's awful coach. And you like Malarkey. I do like Malarkey. I like well, Malarkey. Well, it's, it, he's in exactly the same situation. I think he, he was at Miami. That was god-awful, as we're continuing to see. And he's at the Jets, which may be as bad as any place in the league. Let's go to your phone. Washington, I think. Washington and Cincinnati have to take the cake for, like, the year in and year out worst uh, places maybe. to be for a coach. Yeah, Let's go to Adam, who's going to kick us off today. 615-737-1025. Adam on the Titans. Thank you for calling. Go ahead. Hey, so I, I really feel, and I hate to do I hate to be this guy. I called this, man. Like, I called this dude playing like this. and Because I see our team, there's no way you have a whole line that sucks that bad. And, Jared, by the way, that was my least favorite thing you do. It's either a player's really good or a player really sucks. There's no underperforming or having a bad time or whatever. It's just he sucks. And I don't think that was ever the case of this line. I don't think Adam Gase sucks. I think he's just underperforming. He's got crap players around him right now. But oh, I think Adam Gase sucks. To, you, you don't have to be all in either way, bro. Like, like, I even want to ask Ian that question if you'll allow me to do that because you guys just will argue with each other, but nobody ever just asks Ian. Ian, do you think Ryan Tannehill <laughs> can actually take us to the playoffs? Because I think Ryan Tannehill could take us to the playoffs. Well, if you're asking me, Adam, I'm not convinced, to be honest with you. But Why not? I just... 
I just think they've kind of dug themselves a little bit of a hole too early. I think they just their margin for error is so little right now. I just don't know if they can win enough games. So if Ryan Tannehill started the season as the starting quarterback of the Titans, do you think they would make the playoffs? It's a lot more possible, yeah. I would have given it a lot better chance looking back than, I guess, with Marcus. Floyd? What? Do you think they would make the playoffs if they started the year with Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback? Oh, I don't know. I don't even know if Tannehill is going to be the quarterback two weeks from now. I have no clue. That's the other thing about if you invest in Tannehill, you are taking on Tannehill's injury history as yeah, well. You got no clue about this guy. I mean, it's. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I remember Adam, and I agree. I mean, Adam has been, you know, a supporter, but. But I, the truth is, I mean, were we happy with one game? Absolutely. We were happy. You know, walk by, pat him on the butt, thank him. You know, congratulations. See if we can continue. I mean, Billy Bolek then, had a lot of these kind yeah, of games, too. Yeah, I like, went half a season with a guy who set NFL records for these things that, that ended up being a backup at San Diego. So, I mean, I don't, you know, we'll wait and see. Do you whatever happened with Billy Volek? Like, why did you get rid of Billy Volek? Why did you bring in Kerry Collins? Why did you? So you draft. So Steve McNair gets released. You draft Vince Young, and Billy Volek was going to be the starter, and Vince was going to be on the bench. And then Billy, I guess, had kind of a bad attitude, and Kerry Collins comes in, and Billy gets shipped off to San Diego. Well, I don't. I, I mean, I never thought Billy had a bad attitude. Billy wanted to go, wanted to be a starter, wanted to go someplace and be a starter. So he got on Philip Rivers' bench. We didn't think he could be a starter, and so, you know, he ends up going to to uh, San Diego as a backup and and remained a backup and. And I think he's still in San Diego, as a matter of fact. Was the ability to get Collins the reason that you you thought Collins was a starter and that Billy wasn't? Well, it was the same thing as when McNair was young. You know, when you have a young quarterback, you need somebody with experience. You need somebody that doesn't need every snap in practice. You need somebody that understands the league and understands coverages and, and all of those kinds of things, and that was Kerry. And you didn't think Billy was that? No. Billy was just a baby. I mean, I want to say he was, you know, we had we had Steve. We didn't really need an older, established quarterback then. Plus, you had no cap space. Yeah, plus we had no cap space. But Billy was a young. I mean, we liked Billy. We just, I'm not sure we ever saw Billy as a starter. 615-737-1025. Back to your Tannehill calls. I went over every throw Tannehill completed yesterday. And on the other side, I want to get to... How many of these throws do we consider to be big-time throws? How many big-time throws did Ryan Tannehill make? We'll discuss that next. Jared and the GM, live from Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena right here. Did you know an estimated 1.2 million people in the United States are living with or are in remission from a blood cancer? Join ESP in the game Nashville for the Light the Night Walk at Nissan Stadium on Friday, November 1st. You could be the difference in saving a life by being a part of the 2019 Light the Night Walk. For more details, to be a part of the event or to contribute, visit lightthenight.org slash events slash Nashville. Jared and the GM, CSPN 1025, the game. I think that Ryan took advantage of the opportunity. He, he was excited uh, to be able to lead a, an offensive football team and a football team yesterday. Again, you looked at the timing of Corey's touchdown. It was decisive. It was in a tight window, and there was a lot of those, John. Rabel liked what he saw from Tannehill on Sunday. I think we all like what we saw from Tannehill on Sunday. Floyd, I watched every completion Ryan Tannehill made. 
And I, I want to go over kind of each one of them, not in depth, but just how many of them do you consider to be big-time throws? What is a standard NFL throw, and what is a true, legitimate, hey, that is a big-time throw? For example, his first completion was a big one over the middle to Jonu Smith for a gain of 24, where he threw it right up the seam. Jonu turned around, caught it over a defender's head, and he gained 24 yards. That's not a big-time throw, is it? That's the one where Jonu ran with it? No. This is the first throw where he threw it right in the middle of the field. Jonu caught it, got tackled. Defender had his head turned around and just threw it right on him. I I don't know. I'd have to see it. The back shoulder? The back shoulder? Yeah, yeah, the right. same one. Yeah. It right in the middle of the field. Where was the defender? The defender was behind Janu and had his head turned facing Janu oh, and couldn't see the ball. Pretty good throw then. Oh, I thought it was a laser. Second and five from the twenty six. As he gets hit, he fires a strike to Corey Davis. Davis has two defenders on him when Tannehill hits him with the ball. Uh, and this led to the field goal, I believe, on the first drive of the game, uh, when he hit Davis. And I think it was for uh, it was a second down, and he hit Corey Davis, which I thought was a pretty big game. Uh, another one was, and I don't know if you remember this, uh, on a second and eight, there's a play action. Tannehill rolls to the left, and it, the play kind of breaks down, and Davis just starts running to the sideline. Tannehill puts the ball on Davis on the sideline, and Dan Fouts on the broadcast says, that kind of looked like Patrick Mahomes, doesn't it? I remember. Big throw, big time throw? Or just a standard um, NFL throw? No, it was a good throw. But what's the difference between like a standard NFL throw and a big-time throw? Well, if you can t- that throw, if you can make that throw accurate, then, you know, that's a good throw. If it's not accurate, then it's going to be, you know, incomplete and ugly. Ryan Tannehill's touchdown to Davis. is BB in between two defenders. Big-time throw? Yeah, that was a good throw. First and ten on a play-action rollout. He hits Ferkser. On a big strike. Now, the ball looked like it was going to Janu. It looked like he overthrew Janu, but instead hits Ferkser dead on, and Ferkser picks up a big game. Is yeah, that a big time? I, I don't know who somebody was wrong there. I just don't know who. And I assume because the pass looked like it was supposed to go to Ferkser, and Ferkser acted like it was coming to him, I've, I assumed when it happened that Janu was wrong. So, I mean, that was a good throw. Well, and I think Tannehill said that Janu got caught up or something like that. The timing for Janu was Janu had screwed up the timing of where he was supposed to be, and the ball was, was going to Ferkser. supposed to be past him, yeah. Yeah, uh, Ferkser was supposed to be the target the whole time. On the drive before the Tajay Sharp touchdown, on that drive, there was the Titans got in, in goal to go. They got first and goal at the nine. Derrick Henry loses a yard, second and goal from the ten. Tannehill has a short pass to the right. But a BB to a covered Jonu Smith for a pickup of five that sets up third and five, which ultimately ended up being the Tajay Sharp touchdown. We'll get to the Sharp touchdown in a second. I felt like the BB to a covered Jonu Smith that hit him and picked up five to make it third and goal from the five as opposed to third and goal from the ten. I think that's a big throw because the window is so small when you're trying to make that kind of throw. This was inside the 20, right? Yeah, it was at the nine. Yeah, there, all those throws are are tiny throws. But it was a dart. Yeah, they don't hit you, and that's what you have to do. And that's what I think Marcus, when he led the league in in red zone, that's what he was doing. He was throwing darts. Uh, the Tajay Sharp touchdown, big time throw. 
I mean, in that case, the guy's wide open. Yeah, it's not a big-time throw, but it was big time that he saw him get open. I mean, there were a lot of young quarterbacks who wouldn't have seen him get open when they saw, because that ended up being a two- or a three-man rush, and they dropped everybody else. So there were, you know, opponents' jerseys just blanketing that five-yard area, ten-yard area. Uh, and to be able to see that guy, oh, he was wide open, but to be able to see him and put the ball on him, I mean, that was real, that was a mature play. Well, I, I felt, too, like that's a ball Mariota would never throw. Marcus would never throw that ball. I, I wonder if Marcus would have seen him. You know, that's what you wonder, and I don't know the answer to that. On the Derrick Henry touchdown drive, Tannehill on a third and two hit Corey Davis, the big 38-yard gainer, throws a strike in between two defenders. Davis is able to take off and run with it for a gain of uh, 30, I think 38 was how much Davis gained on that play. Is that a big-time throw, or is that just a good throw and a great play no, from Davis? Yeah, I think it's a good throw and a good yak. Uh, the, on third and four, the final drive that led to the sneaks that didn't work, third and four for the first first down hits A.J. Brown on a huge gain for a slant. And then he hits A.J. Brown on third and 11 for a gain of 10 and a half, which led to the sneak that they didn't get. I don't think either of those were big-time throws, but their throws we're just not used to seeing the Titans complete as of late. So I guess the whole point of the exercise is to go over all the Tannehill throws. Tannehill didn't hit a lot of big-time throws on Sunday. He hit, he hit the throws he needed to hit, but they weren't like out-of-this-world, big-time Russell Wilson throws. Well, yeah, but I mean, you, if you were to run that exercise with Russell William Wilkin, Wilson, you may come back saying the same thing. You may come back saying, "Hey, that guy was." I mean, I'm, I'm in my mind, I can see a lot of the receivers he throws the ball to. They're wide open. Now he did throw one this weekend, where he dropped it in for a touchdown. I can't. I don't even know who he dropped it into. That was unbelievable throw, mm-hmm. um, but. I think probably if you did that exercise with any quarterback in the league over a game, you would say, hey, that's that's fine. The thing you can't Two have. Two or three big-time throws per game. Yeah, you can't have the inaccurate throws where you have those guys wide open, where you have Davis in the end zone right in front of you 15 yards away and a tight window, but it's going to be tight down there, and you be able to – you can't throw that ball and have it intercepted for a hundred yards, mm-hmm. and that's that's the difference between the guy the guys you you know can win with and the guys that are going to kill you. Let's go to your phones. Fred is up next on mediocrity. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Fred. Hey, Lloyd, Jared, sure. <clears throat> enjoy uh, listening to the show. Um, Lloyd, I'd like to ask you just just sit on it for a minute. Your definition of mediocrity, and 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 Jared, I, I need to I need you to refocus on on drafting a franchise quarterback, and just look at the recent history with Kansas City and Mahomes. They went and got their franchise quarterback. They had a good quarterback in place. Okay, Fred, I want you to look at the recent history with Sam Darnold. How did he look last night? Who did he play? Well, I mean, we expect that if you don't want to be mediocre, if you don't want to be mediocre, you got to beat those kind of teams. Thank you, Fred. I mean, you got to look at you got to beat the New England Patriots if you don't want to be mediocre. I mean, that's the whole point of Sam Darnold turned the ball over five times last night, and I still think Sam Darnold's pretty good. 
I'm not dogging on Sam Darnold because he played. I mean, they were ready to anoint him king quarterback after he beat the Cowboys, and now everybody's ready to jump off the ship because he I, threw five I, picks. I'm like, he's the same guy. I'll say this: if you if you're with a quarterback, if you're Jerry Jones, you got to be ticked off today. Now, I didn't think that team beat you and beat you soundly, and Darnold beat you, and you're thinking, how did that possibly happen? That goes to show you. Welcome to the NFL. Well, I mean, you can, and the caller says, look at what happens when you draft a big-time quarterback like Kansas City did with Mahomes. Look at what happened when Tennessee drafted Mariota number two overall. They have. They, Jameis they, Winston, number one picks coming here Sunday. Who's scared? This is, this is what is difficult for people to understand. And, and, you know, people draft quarterbacks because they're the most important person on the field. And so you want to always be striving to get the best one you can get. That being said, that being said, we look at some of the best quarterbacks in the league, and they are not high first rounders. Mm -hmm. Now, the majority of starting quarterbacks in the league will be high first rounders. But, I mean, you know, you've got too many examples of the Tom Brady's and guy, what Russell Wilson's guys that are drafted in the sixth or third or fourth round that are playing and playing very, very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just shows you what an inexact science it is for the most important position on the field. 2014 draft. If you take a look at the top quarterbacks drafted in 2014, Bortles was third overall. Manziel was in the top 15. Bridgewater was 32. Garoppolo and Derek Carr were in the second round. Now tell me who the best quarterbacks of that group are. It ain't Bortles and it ain't Johnny Manziel. B is up next on Ryan Tannehill. Thank you for calling. What's up, B? How you guys doing, man? I appreciate you taking the call. I I, I love the show. I just wanted to say, I just wanted to say, man, it's Tannehill time in Tennessee, baby. And I think that because, I mean, he ain't scared to throw that ball and he ain't scared to get off in somebody's butt. And the number one thing... I think is he got so much to lose, man. This is really to make it or break it for him. But I do feel like the whole organization failed Mariota. I don't think he's bad. And I'd like to ask Floyd or you, Jared, if Mariota do leave, how you guys uh, think he'll look with the uh, Chicago Bears and Matt Nagy? I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the call, B. I feel bad for Trubisky. I feel like he's going through the same thing Mariota went through here. Oh yeah, and he's going through the. Hey, he was picked. Look high at the too, guys. People. Yeah, look at the guys that were picked behind him, and he's got to live with that every day. You know, so I mean, he's that's that's not easy. I mean, you know, you everybody wants to be drafted really, really high. Everybody wants that fame and fortune, but very often there's a price price to pay down the road. Well, we talked about Brissett. Brissett was a third rounder who got to sit behind Tom Brady and Andrew Luck. Like, and got to play a whole season with no consequences, and now has taken over as a four-year vet in the league and has won a Super Bowl and has learned from two really good quarterbacks and has had a practice year. And I think Jacoby Brissett, he doesn't try to do too much out there. He's playing great. I think Brissett and Reich are the perfect mix of, hey, let's not be stupid, let's not get carried away here, but let's just do the right thing and win football games. And that's a team. Now, I'll say this. Maybe the very best catch I've I've seen all year long was Ebron in touchdown at the back of the end zone. Did you see that catch? 
Phenomenal catch. A phenomenal catch. Never, ever would you imagine a guy could catch that ball. Um, so he's getting some of that. But, but the point is, Indy's got a good team. Good, solid team. Outstanding team? No. Super Bowl team? No. Good team? Yes. And, and Brissett just comes in and compliments all that. He just helps it all. Let me help you guys win. Now, I'll give you a little something along the way. Then he gets one of the days where he goes out and throws for four touchdowns like he did this weekend, and you beat, you know, what was the division-leading team. So, I mean, I think they've got the right idea from that standpoint. And, and if Tannehill were to end up our guy, in my mind, it would be very much the same relationship. I you think know, Frank Reich he, is a tremendous coach. Well, I think he's got. I think he would come in, and he would uh, he would fit in. You know, he would do. He's not going to come in with a ton of pressure. People aren't going to be. You know, on hey, you got to go out and win it. You got to do this. You got to do that. It's you know what? Don't screw it up. Give me your best shot. Don't mess it up. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. We'll get back to your calls. But coming up next, we got a little Preds thought as the Preds are taking on Anaheim tonight. It's been an up-and-down season with the Predators. Any worry at all? We'll get to that next. Jared and the GM, we're live from Pete and Terry's Tavern right here. It's ESPN 1025, the game. Yeah, usually when you're behind by three goals, you've got to have a really good third period if you're going to bail out of it. So um, we'd like to score a little bit more early on. And, you know, some of the immediate starts recently, some of the immediate starts have been good. The first four to seven minutes they've been good. And then, you know, something happens in the last 12 to 15 minutes where – and we give up a couple goals, and we found ourselves behind on the road and at home here, and that's not where we want to be. It's difficult to play like that. Um, I guess giving some credit back, we've, we have battled in those third periods, and we have scored some goals and either pushed it to overtime or come back and won. And L.A., we ended up losing in the last minute of the game, and so that was, that was difficult. But um, we played well in the third period. But I'd like, to see us, I'd like to see us push a little bit more in the first period. That was Peter Laviolette saying, hey, man, I'd like to see him play a little bit better, which I would, too, start some of these games. Some of these games, the starts have been wretched. He talked about L.A. He talked about last Saturday against Florida. I thought the Predators were just lethargic at the beginning, just boring hockey, just not even fun to watch. And that's what they are in the first period. But they'll crank it up when they're down 3-1, to one and they'll get you back into the game, and they'll light it up in the third period. And you know what, Floyd? This early in the year? I'm not sure I really care if they're going up and down. They have a great game against Vegas on Tuesday. Horrible performance Thursday against Arizona. I'm not sure I really care. And what I mean by that is I don't need you to win every game out of the box. I need you to not be like Dallas and be buried before the season even really gets going. But I don't need you to get hot out of the box. I don't need you to win the President's Trophy. I don't need you to – I don't need any of that. I just need you to prove to me that you can score goals. You need to prove to me that you can play defense when you are trying to play defense. You got to prove to me that you can blow somebody out. You got to prove to me you can win the close ones. You got to prove to me you can come back. And you got to prove to me you can score on the power play. And so far, they've done all those things this year. I'm not going to be worried about, you know, they're up one night, down the next night. I'm not going to care about that until we get to January, February, and all of a sudden, it's all about making sure you're in gear but for the But see, that's the question. Can you do that now and have that ready for February? And I don't know the answer to that. But in my mind, 
if I was a coach, and, and I have never coached hockey in my life, have no clue, but if I was a coach and I knew I was playing 82 games and I knew how important the latter part of the season was and how vital the playoffs are, I mean, the first part of every season, I would spend getting the team to do what I think the things that we're going to have to do to win it all. What are the five or six vital things that we're going to have to be able to do? You mean you wouldn't be sitting there worried about the Anaheim Ducks tonight? No, I'm not, like tonight, I could care less. You know, and, and let's face it, in March, we're not going to care what happened tonight. Not one rat's so, tail. who cares? But. I do think this, whatever it is, whatever those five or six things are in your mind that you're saying, okay, knowing this team and knowing what I know about hockey and, and knowing our, you know, division and we're going to have to do these four or five things, whatever they are. And that's, I would spend all of my time concentrating on those. And the question I would have is in, is consistency one of those four or five things? Mm-hmm. And if it is, then I would be harping on it. So that's where it gets a little tough for me. Like, I, I keep trying to not go back to St. Louis last year because I think you can't say, well, I want to be the worst team in the league on January 1st and go win the Cup. I don't think that that's that possible. That doesn't happen. I mean, it happened once, and it's a good story, but it's never going to happen again. Yeah, it's not what I aspire to be. Yeah. I also don't care if they win the President's Trophy or not this year. I don't care yeah. about that. But I do care about the power play not being last in the league. That, now that carries some weight with me. That's got some and, juice to and it. And I'm sure they it's, it's carrying weight with them too. And I would have to feel right now, after what we've seen, they feel pretty good about that. Maybe they're not totally satisfied. Maybe they're not where they want to be. But, I mean, you have to feel like, okay, we've we've got some – you know, it's it's trending in the dry, right direction. We're doing okay here. But I wonder, and I'd be interested, and, and they, I, I could be completely wrong on this philosophy, but, uh, you know, if you were to ask them, okay, what are the really the four or five, six things that are really, really important right now to get you over the hump in April or whenever it is, mm-hmm. you know? So the one, like, Let's just talk about what they have right now as far as the team is concerned that you feel good about if the playoffs were to be around the corner. I feel fine about goaltending. I know Soros has struggled so far. I think Soros, I think his struggles are more about the way everybody, the way the system's playing and the way the defense is playing and all of that. But Pekka's the one who matters, and he's playing great. So I feel fine about goaltending. I feel good about the power play, and I feel good about the good players. Now, the other stuff, the third pair defensively, those guys have been awful this year. And I don't know how they can be the same guys that you went to the cup final with three years ago and be this bad three years later. But that's where we are with these guys. Uh, you know, the, the, the second line after Philip Forsberg's injury, like, I, I do wonder, because Forsberg's clearly hurt, I wonder how much that's going to hurt the production of everything and how that'll because he about, is the guy right now. And you worry about what we've seen from other guys with recent injury issues, which is it takes him a minute to get back into it. You mm-hmm. know, it takes him a minute to catch up with what's going on. And you wonder if he's going to take that same approach 
Or is he going to jump right in, feel good about it, and, you know, crank it up and go kind of guy? And I don't know. Preds in Anaheim tonight, of course, right here, ESPN 1025. The game will have how long later? And, of course, Predators game day will get you set at 545 for everything you got to know about this one. 615-737-1025. Floyd, we have not touched on college football from the weekend yet. Coming up next, we'll get into really all – we'll hit all the SEC schools. Derek Mason gets a big win at Vandy. Jeremy Pruitt grabbed a face mask. Tua is out for Alabama. LSU kicked Mississippi State in the rear end. Georgia and Florida both struggle. We'll get to all of that coming up next. Jared and the GM live from Bridgestone Arena's Pete and Terry's Tavern. It's ESPN 1025, the game.